Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Eric, Discipleship Pastor here at New Life Lutheran Church. Today on our podcast, we have our Sermon from the Weekend, the third Sunday in Advent. We are continuing our sermon series, Christmas Traditions. Thanks for listening today. You can subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Play, and Spotify. Our scripture today is from the first chapter of Luke, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was said to be barren for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Thanks for listening. Let's get growing. Well, we are continuing on in our teaching series called Christmas Traditions. In the last couple of weeks through this Advent series, Pastor Ben has been talking to us about various traditions that we have. And the first week, Pastor Ben talked about how all of our traditions, getting together with family, having meals, everything that we enjoy about the Christmas season, all comes from one reality, one basic foundational truth. And the truth is that Jesus is alive. That Jesus was, in fact, a real person. That he was, in fact, born of the Virgin Mary. That he did die on our behalf, and he did, and he was raised from the dead, and now he is with the Father in heaven. Jesus exists. He is alive. And therefore, now, 2,000 years later, we celebrate his coming. We celebrate God's love to us that he sent his son in the form of a human baby. Now all of our Christmas traditions stem from this basic reality that Jesus exists. He is real. And then we went on and Pastor Ben talked about Christmas cards. We like to give and receive cards. And this, just like we like to give and receive cards, God also likes to speak to us. He likes to communicate to us. He sent the prophets and he continues to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And so now we're moving on into even more Christmas traditions. And the tradition that we're going to talk about today is, I, so I love Christmas, I love my family, I'm not a particularly traditional person when it comes to holidays, um, and those sorts of things, but this is probably, of all the traditions that I could, you know, leave, this is my least favorite tradition. This is the one that I 
despise. I actually hate this tradition. I don't like it. And it's a tradition that has snuck into every single one of our holidays. Not even just Christmas, but Thanksgiving, birthdays, New Year's, all of our holidays that we celebrate all have this same tradition. I'm guessing, even if you don't do this tradition every single holiday, or even if you don't do it every single Christmas, I'm guessing you've done this tradition in the past. And that is the Christmas tradition of stress. It's become so hard for us to have a holiday without feeling stressed out, without feeling pressure from people, from our family, that it's practically a tradition now, isn't it? And we have these images from our past. This is the famous Norman Rockwell painting. I can't remember what it's called now, but it depicts a holiday meal, most likely Thanksgiving because there's a turkey. And this is a fantastic painting, isn't it? And it really, it's, it's wonderful. In the super happy family, everyone's smiling. You know, the patriarch of the family's dressed up, and I don't know who wears a suit for your Christmas dinner. Um, but he's wearing a suit, everyone's happy, and we even have this guy in the corner, in the bottom right corner, that's looking at us as if we're there with them, enjoying this Christmas feast. Now this painting is several decades old, but you know, we still have these kinds of images in our culture even today, and you've probably seen some of these. If you have cable, or if you have Netflix, or Hulu, you've probably watched the Hallmark Channel, or Lifetime, Or you've seen those Netflix Christmas specials and we see things like this. Movies that we can watch about the holidays. This one, I don't know what it's about, but it's called the Holiday holiday Calendar. I can't imagine it's that engaging because it seems kind of weird. But in these movies, in every single one of these movies, we have beautiful people who are dressed well, who have beautiful homes, and they experience these wonderful holidays. And our world is full of these kinds of images And for some reason, there's a lot of, like, royalty during the Christmas season. Isn't that kind of weird? So everyone's a princess or a prince during the holiday season, apparently. And so we have these movies where there's these star-crossed lovers, and they're they're dressed so well, and the prince is wearing his military uniform, and he looks so handsome, and the woman is wearing this beautiful dress. And sure, there's a little bit of tension because there has to be a story, but eventually they fall in love, all relationships are put right, and everything is perfect. That's what these movies tell us. And that's what the Norman Rockwell painting tells us. Is that we have these images of what a perfect holiday season should be like. The perfect Christmas season. And we are filled with these images. We are filled and formed by these things that we watch. These images that we see. We go to the mall and we see the mannequins in the windows and they're dressed so well. We see the pictures hanging up in the department stores and everyone's so happy. We have these images and they actually do something to us. They show us what we think we want the holidays to be like. But, as you and I know, our holidays are never actually like this. I don't know about you, but I've never met... Well, I have met a princess during the holidays, but that's not, that's a whole other thing. Sarah, my wife's name is Sarah, and Sarah means princess, so that's that, that's that joke. But, you know, we don't meet royalty during the holiday season. We are usually never this happy during the holiday season. We don't get to stay in castles. We don't get to have these fantastic meals. Inevitably, in our families, we have broken friendships. We have broken relationships. We have unhealthy family structures. There are divorces. There are fights going on, and so some of our kids come for lunch, and then they leave so that some of our other kids can come in the afternoon because this family and that family don't like to be in the same place at the same time. 
or we have pressure from our kids, or maybe we put pressure on our kids to come and see us on Christmas Day, and they want to do their own thing, or they want to visit and travel the other family during this time and that time. And there are all these expectations that we have of the Christmas season, and it's because of these kinds of things. We have these perfect images, and that's what we all think our Christmas should be like. But we all know that that's not actually what it's like, right? And so oftentimes, as we go into these situations where we have all these expectations, when we get into the holiday season, we have all these expectations, and pretty soon our families don't quite operate the way that we would like. There's broken relationships, broken friendships in our families. We, our pocketbooks get stretched a little bit too far in December, and we have to run that MasterCard a little bit more than we would like, right? Things are pretty stressful during the holiday season. And that stress comes from this unmet expectation. We have an idea of what it should be like. We feel pressure to have everything be perfect. And then when it's not perfect, we have stress. And we hear today in this gospel reading about a young lady who experienced a similar thing. It wasn't a holiday, but this young lady had a lot going on. Mary, as we are told, in the sixth month, this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So this young lady, Mary, at this, uh, at this point in time in this place, she was probably about 12 13, 14, 15 years old, very, very young. And that's usually when uh, young girls were married off by their families. And so they would be uh, given or engaged to an older man, probably, so Joseph, we're probably talking is in his 20s, is, where, is what, about what it would be. And they're engaged to an older man, and then Mary's family would have paid money to Joseph because they were losing somebody who could help with the family business. They were losing a a farm hand or a work hand, and so they would pay money, um, or Joseph, yeah, they would pay money to Joseph, and they would actually pay their family to take this young lady from them, and Mary was expecting a particular life. We know in the other stories that Joseph was a pretty good guy. We know that he handled things pretty well, that he was pretty forgiving, and so Joseph was of good character, and, and from Mary's point of view at that time, this might have been a very good thing. He was a good man going into a good family. He had a good job. And she was getting ready for a wedding, which weddings could last as long as a week in this culture. Very, very big event. And when you get engaged to someone in this culture, in the Jewish culture, what would happen is they would, uh, the engagement was legally binding. So in order to break an engagement, you actually had to get a certificate of divorce. To break an engagement, you, you had to get a divorce. And also, if you were engaged to somebody and you were sleeping with that person or you slept with another person, that was considered adultery. It was considered to be sex outside of marriage when you did that. And so, in adultery, as we know from uh, the laws of the Old Testament, oh, if a woman was caught in adultery, she could be stoned. She could be killed. And so Mary had a lot of expectation. She was probably planning a wedding. And our weddings are busy enough, and they're just one day. And so she's planning a seven-day wedding, and lots of money getting involved, and her parents have paid Joseph, and all these things have been going on, and something happens to her. An angel comes and says, Mary, you're pregnant. You're going to have a baby. And all of a sudden, all those expectations, all that work that Mary had been done, 
is shattered. Because if this is true, she would have to somehow explain it to Joseph. She would have to somehow explain it to her parents. And women were not given the benefit of the doubt in this culture. They were not given the benefit of the doubt at this time. And so there's no way that her parents would buy that an angel came and told her that she was going to be pregnant. There was no way that they were going to buy it. We were actually told that Joseph was planning on divorcing her quietly to save her honor and maybe even to save her life from stoning. So, Mary has all this expectation going into this busy time of her life. And it's a busy time of planning a wedding, and also not only planning a wedding, but probably at this time they knew that a census was coming up, so they were probably planning a trip, a long trip to go to Bethlehem for several months while the census was being done. So planning a big trip and also planning a wedding... This is a busy time for Mary, and suddenly something is dropped into the water what, that she didn't expect. Suddenly she's told she's going to be pregnant. And most of the time in our lives, when this happens, when we have an expectation as we go into a season or we go into a holiday, and then that expectation isn't met, what happens to us is what's called stress, right? And stress occurs in different ways. Um, stress can be, we can respond to stress by anger. We can be angry about the situation, and then we can try to holler at our kids or our grandkids or whoever and try to get them to form to our expectations, or we just completely shut down. And we say, you know, don't worry about it. I give up. Just stop. I'm not even, I don't even want to see you this Christmas season. I don't even want to see you this holiday season. We completely shut down. So stress can, we can respond to stress in these different ways. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes we just want to give up and not do anything. But more often than not, what we find ourselves, what we find within ourselves when we are stressed or when we experience stress is that we want to have control over whatever's going on. We just want control. We just want to know what's going to happen and we want it to form to our vision, our idea, our expectation of what the season, the holiday, whatever, should look like. Ultimately, when we have stress, it's because we want control and we find that we're not in control of our situation any longer, right? And she experienced stress. Now, I uh, do want to just give a little caveat before we go on. Um, We, in the scriptures... There are not very many people that we can call good guys. You know what I mean? Even David, who's like one of the pinnacle of the Old Testament um, characters, is not a particularly good guy. He does some good things and he loves God, but he's not a particularly good guy. And so there are not many times in Scripture that we can say, you need to be like David, because most of the time that wasn't a good thing. And that's how it is with most of the, most of the characters in the Bible. Even the apostles were like, sometimes we're like, you know what? You probably don't want to be like that guy at that instance. Um, so the, the scriptures are a witness to Jesus, that Jesus is the revelation, the full revelation of God. Jesus is who disciples us. Jesus is who we want to imitate. And there are very few characters, other characters in the Bible that we, want to, that we should want to be like. But Mary is a character that we do want to be like. She was full of grace. The Holy Spirit empowered her. And even apparently from this very young age, she responds to the situation in a way that is well beyond her years. And in fact, even later, the disciples who have followed Jesus for three years and are filled by the Holy Spirit sometimes don't respond as gracious as she does at this point. So we want to be like Mary in this instance. So we're going to look at her response 
and we're going to reflect on how we can be more like her and how we can uh, have the Holy Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit in a way that makes us more like her. But this is how she responds to this news. That drop in the water, all of a sudden, everything's different. This is how she responds. And he came to her and said, this is the angel, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. You guys remember last week, if you were here, Pastor Ben told, uh, we read, we heard the story of Zechariah, the announcement to Zechariah that he was going to have a son, John the Baptist. And the angel came to Zechariah in the holy place, and do you remember how Zechariah responded? He was totally afraid. I mean, like, petrified. Notice how different Mary's response is here. She's not afraid in this response, but she's perplexed. And she wonders what kind of greeting this could be. Isn't that a funny way to respond if an angel shows up? Zechariah was a priest. He was an older priest, so he had been around the block several times. He knew the Old Testament inside and out. He had all the answers. He knew all the right stuff. He had power and authority. He was a man who was a priest. And he was chosen by lot to go into the holy place, to the altar of incense. And there were some priests that weren't given that opportunity at all in their career. So he was the man. He had everything. And an angel comes, and he's terrified. And this humble young lady in Bodunk, middle of nowhere, Nazareth, responds not with fear, but with wonder. She wonders what kind of greeting this might be. We go on. It says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? How can this be, since I am a virgin? Again, let's think about how Zechariah responded last week. The last section of Luke. Do you guys remember what he said? He didn't say this. He said, how can I know that what you say is true? How can I know that it's true? Do you see how that's different than how can this be? Essentially what Zechariah was asking the angel to do He looked at that angel square in the face and he said, prove it. That's what he told the angel. You say say that I'm going to have a son, prove it. Mary doesn't ask the angel to prove it. But this is actually her wondering and pondering what's going on. How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answers her that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her, that she will be filled with God and that she will bear a son. Not a son from a human father, but a son from a heavenly father. Do you see how different it is, how Mary responds and how Zechariah responds? Mary responded correctly. She didn't want to know, she didn't want to have proof that this is going to happen. She believed that this was happening. She never said, prove it to me. She goes, I know that this, I'm pregnant. She knew she was pregnant, but she asked how. How can this be? How has this happened? How is it possible that this, how did you work this out so that it happened? Not prove it to me. You see how different that is? 
Whereas Zechariah, he had all these expectations. He had all this schooling. He had all this history, all this ministry, all this experience. And he had a very narrow view of what God could do. And so when God sends an angel, and the angel tells him something that's outside of his experience, outside of his expectation, he says, you know what? I'm not sure I believe you. Prove it to me. Mary, who doesn't have very much experience, and obviously doesn't have very much, uh, very high expect, or not high, very narrow expectations of what God can do. When this angel comes and tells her that she's pregnant, she just asks, how has this happened? Tell me about it. I want to know more about what you're doing to me, God. I want to know more about what's happening in my life. I want to know more about how you are working within me and doing your work in our world. She's not afraid. And she's not even doubtful. She believes that it's happened and she wants to know how it's happening. She wants to know more about what God is doing. And then after Zechariah gets this, um, this news that he's going to have a baby, that, or that he's going to have a son, and then he asks the angel to prove it, you know what the angel does to him? Do you remember? Makes him mute. He can't speak. The angel says, you know what, Zechariah, because you doubted, I'm going to just shut you up. Because apparently you can't talk without making a fool of yourself. I want to make you stop talking. And so he can't talk till John is born. And you know what happens in the next story, um, right after this, this story in Luke? Mary goes, immediately goes to her cousin Elizabeth, and Mary, Zechariah was mute, remember, after the news of his son. After the news of Mary's son, you know what she does? She sings. Where Zechariah was made mute because of his doubt, because of Mary, Mary's faith, she sings. She celebrates. She worships because of her news. Because she didn't respond with doubt. She didn't respond with fear. She responded with gratefulness that God was working out this salvation. She sings. Where Zechariah could no longer talk, Mary was busy singing and worshiping and praising God. Do you see how different those two experiences are? You see how different it is for Mary, who was willing to accept this news from God with openness. When she was willing to accept this news from God, she has this expansive way of viewing God's work, and she wants to explore what God is doing in her life. She wants to know how he's operating, but she doesn't doubt. She doesn't question. She doesn't disbelieve, but she accepts this news as a gift. And she worships God because of it. Where Zechariah, he tries to control the situation. He wants to know everything. He wants to have proof that it's going to happen. And he's made mute because of it. I think oftentimes in our holiday experiences, in our family experiences, we oftentimes act more like Zechariah. We have certain expectations on people. That they be here at this time, that we see them on this day, that we spend this amount of time with them. Or we have expectations about using, having the finest china that we have, and we only use it for Christmas and Easter. We pull that out, and suddenly one of our grandkids breaks one of the plate because it gets dropped on the floor. We get a little bit angry, right? Or our kids, our grandkids rest a little bit too hard and then one of them gets upset and it's, you know, the whole Christmas is ruined because now everybody's crying. We have to put people in time out. They can't behave right. And lots of times we're like Zechariah. We kind of have this cynical, kind of controlling view of our families, of our friends, and of our holidays where we want everything to work out exactly how we want it to. We have this particular idea of how things should work, of how holidays can be, and we try to control it. But I think that we need to be more like Mary. More willing to be open to what God is doing. 
more willing to be open to enjoying our family and exploring our family on their terms and not on our terms. Not trying to control, but trying to receive our families as a gift. Not trying to treat them like problems to be fixed, but trying to enjoy them as a gift from God. In the, uh, in the small catechism, which I'm sure you all have memorized, right? You all have the small catechism memorized. That's a joke. You don't have to have it memorized. Um, in the small catechism, the very first commandment, it's there, will, you will have no other gods. You shall have no other gods. And the question is, what does this mean? Martin Luther writes that it means that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all other things. And in the large catechism, Luther goes on to talk about how we should, we should expect all good things to come from God. That good things come from no other place but God. Good things do not come from the perfect holiday. Good things do not come from our family doing exactly as we would like them to do, acting exactly right, treating us exactly as we think that they should treat us. Good things come from God. And we can't demand from God good things. We can't expect from God good things. All good things are a gift. The holidays are a gift. They're not something that we have earned. They're not something that we should expect. They're a gift to us. And if we're a little bit more like Mary, and we open ourselves up, we trust in God to give us all those good things. We don't expect from our families too much, but we're willing to receive our families as gifts from God, which is what they are. I'm guessing that we'll be doing a lot more singing and a lot less arguing. We'll be doing a lot more singing and a lot less mute talking. We'll be a lot less like Zechariah, and we'll be a lot more like Mary, enjoying and loving and receiving from God all that he's given us. And we'll explore the good things that God has done for us. The word for us this morning is this. In the midst of Christmas stress, choose to trust in God and receive all good things from him. Amen. Amen.